Hi guys, it's Jill, and welcome back to another episode of Equine in Theory. This week's episode, I will be touching on correcting some little behavioral problems with positive reinforcement instead of um, your normal correction methods. So it's a little unorthodox, and this is just what I did, and I have gotten a lot of questions about it, so I'm really interested to see you guys' response and tell you guys what I did. So let's just jump into it. Alrighty guys, let's jump into this topic. So, behavioral problems. I'm going to focus mainly on Mac because when we first got Mac, he had some issues and we're still working through some of them, but they are nowhere near what they used to be. And um, Zoe doesn't particularly have any. Um, She's kind of like, the only thing she really does is like pull to graze on the ground but we've worked on that a lot like when i'm leading her she'll like just drag me to grass but we've worked on that a lot and she's gotten a lot better at that but um mac um you know when we first got him we turned we pulled him off the trailer and turned him out and this was the horse's first time of being turned out in probably two years and so when we turned him out he didn't do anything he just like walked around wide-eyed and was like what is going on (laughs) this is foreign to me so um you know usually you expect a horse to run around and be crazy and just express themselves and that didn't happen and initially I was like wow he's so calm he'll be awesome to work with but now I realize that that's not necessarily normal. I mean, maybe for a mature horse who's comfortable in his surroundings, you know, that might be um, an expected response. But for a young horse to just, like, not do anything is sort of, to me, is, like, fear. And I don't want to just, like, you know, be that person that's like, oh my god, horses are afraid of everything. But, like, think about it. If he's been reprimanded for, you know, expressing himself or communicating or doing anything of his own volition, then perhaps he might be afraid to do it. So, because now I know this horse, and every time you turn him out, he is trotting, he's happy, he's like, where's the grass, where's the hay, let me go see my buddy, like, and he's just, he's much more vibrant. And, um, it was just so weird, because you can totally misinterpret something like that. And I think that it was due to some level of learned helplessness. And he was just like, I don't want to do anything wrong because something bad might happen. And the reason I think that is because Mac is probably one of the jumpiest horses I had met so far. And I had worked with abused horses in the past and none were as jumpy as him. A lot of them were just kind of like shut down. Um... But Mac was just like, don't touch me, don't touch me. And he just flinched anytime you went near him. And to some degree, is still like that. And um, he, like, I, I remember the first time I held up a target stick to him, he bolted to the other side of the paddock. And I was like, all right, not gonna work. <laughs> um, so, you know, and the other issues that we've had are, mind you, this is a 17-hand big, big horse. (laughs) And he likes to put his head up really high. He's what you might call a stargazer. And, um, so when you try to put a halter on him, not only does he stick his head way up in the air, so you're like, I can't buckle this. Um, but he also was biting the halter 
and biting it aggressively to where you were like, I might lose my arm. <laughs> and um, so all the while, I'm just taking notes of this, like he's afraid of things that come up quickly, like a, a stick particularly that might happen to resemble a whip. And he is um, biting at the halter, uh, which to me would indicate that he doesn't want it on. And um, maybe that's because he uses it as um, an association of, like, the halter takes him to places he doesn't want to go. Um, I mean, there are endless possibilities with that. Um, and uh, he was also very head shy. And um, when I first started working through his head shyness, um, I realized that it was namely his ears. Like, if I even accidentally bumped an ear, he would just, like throw his head up and like his eyes would roll around and he was just like don't touch my ears and um I was like okay so probably have been exposed to ear twitching so I just was kind of like taking mental notes of this and um then there was one instance where um I had just gotten back from class it wasn't in a session at all and I had just gotten out of my car and their paddock is um right out front of my house. So I parked and I was like, oh, the ponies are there. Let me go say hi. So I walked up to him and I reached up to pet him and he withdrew his head. And I was like, okay, typical Mac. And I was like, I'm going to respect that and not force myself on him. So I started to pull my hand away and he just reached over and bit me. And, you know, if I were to do the traditional thing, um, that would have been to immediately result to punishment, resort to punishment, lol. Um, and, you know, it's just, that's something that I have always done in the past. And um, to take a quick tangent here, I used to have um, this gelding, I had him for four years, and the entirety of our relationship, he was so girthy. And when I was in the cross ties, he would... Um, start biting and pin his ears and like stomp around and swish his tail every time I went to do up the girth. And, um, you know, I was taught to sock him in the mouth and show him who's boss or slap him on the neck. And to me, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense now because like I get the mentality that's wrong. So I'm going to punish you for it. It's very black and white. However, why is the horse doing that? You know, like, I never once asked why. And, you know, neither did the people I was around. They were always like, God, he's awful. Just hit him. And, um, you know, I, I don't blame those people at all because that's that's our industry. That's the horse world. You know, if they act up, punish them. And so, you know, I don't blame them for being like that at all. And I, I have no <laughs> ill will towards my past self other than, you dummy, you should have looked into it a little more, uh, you know, advocated for your horse a little bit there. Um, but I never once was like, maybe he has ulcers. Maybe his saddle doesn't fit. Maybe he needs chiropractic work. Maybe he has a sore foot or maybe his legs are bothering him. Or maybe, you know, he realizes that the girth is the first step to me putting the bridle on and his teeth hurt and he doesn't want the bridle on. He doesn't want to be ridden. You know, none of those things crossed my mind. And, um, you know, we had chiropractors here and there and we did ulcer treatments here and there, but never actually were like, no, we're going to commit to this and make sure that we rule everything out before we're just labeling this horse as you know, a bad one. And usually when you start the pro uh, process of 
asking why, you find a reason. And um, I genuinely don't believe in bad horses or naughty horses or this or that. I don't think it exists. I think that they're a product of their environment. And um, you can just as easily produce a happy, wonderful, excited to work horse as you can one that fears it or um, dreads it. And I think that that is what I unintentionally did for Bo. And, um, you know, not only was it just wrong to label him and just be like, wow, you're a bad horse. I'm just going to punch you in the face every time you try to bite at me while I girth you up. But I made the girthing experience so much worse for him. Like, not only was I saying, don't do that. I was also saying, don't tell me that you're uncomfortable. That was how he was communicating. Clearly, I wasn't listening to the dancing in place or the swishing of the tail or the ears pinning or the nostrils pulling back. You know, I wasn't listening to any of that. So he had to resort to basically screaming at me by biting and saying, hello, stop. (laughs) I don't like that. And then when he tried to tell me, what did I do? I punched him in the face. And, like, it just makes me sick. Like, I hate that. And eventually I stopped doing it, you know, when my trainer wasn't looking or nobody was looking because I was like, this doesn't work. (laughs) And it's making me cry every time I do it because I hate this. And, um, And it didn't go away when I stopped either, but at least I wasn't, you know, just adding on. Because, I mean, think about it. If every time the horse gets girthed up and he's unhappy, he gets punched, well, that's not going to make the situation much better now, is it? Um, So what I've done with a few horses that I work with now that were girthy, first of all, we um, treated them for ulcers and uh, had chiropractic and body work done on them. And then second of all, I used positive reinforcement to counter condition the girth. So I would have them touch it and smell it. And then I would um, move it around so that the buckles would jingle because that's a part of girthing. You know, with Bo, the second I would jingle the girth, his ears would go flat back. So, you know, I just, after we ruled out all of the possible pain problems, I started counter conditioning it because you can't train against pain. So if I had counter conditioned while they were, you know, still in pain, it wouldn't have worked or it might have just like had all of this conflicting emotion involved and we don't want that either. Um, You know, they're like, I'm in pain, but I'm trying to do the right thing and get a treat. But like, so you don't want that. So definitely rule out pain first. Um, And so with the horses out here, I have, um, I would start by, you know, having them touch it and jingle it and then do it up on one billet on the saddle and then give them a treat and then do it up on another, give them a treat. And then I would place my hand under their belly and give them a treat. And if ever they put their ears back or snarled or moved to bite, I backed off and went back a few steps. And, um, then, and none of the horses that I did this with required more than like, like they didn't really require another session of it. I did more sessions, but, um, I didn't have to stop in the middle of one because it was, it was going too far for them. Um, so in one session I was able to take a horse that was biting and pawing and very unhappy to have a girth be put on to a horse that was like bright eyed and like, please put it on me so I can get treats. And then all of a sudden you don't need to necessarily have the treats anymore because it's a good thing for them. It has a, a positive association. The girth isn't this bad thing that causes them pain anymore. You know, it, it has this new positive tie regardless of if you have the treats or not and so um 
Yeah, and I mean, obviously, I'm a positive reinforcement person, so I would like to keep, you know, having that positive association with it, so I wouldn't necessarily fade out reward uh, completely, but for somebody who's just trying to, like, maybe problem solve with positive reinforcement, I could see where you would just do that and just, like, counter condition it, make it something positive, and I cannot stress enough, after you rule out pain, just rule it out first and then then try um, to counter condition. <clears throat> Sorry, my throat's wearing out. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, th- I just thought that that was so cool. And that was one of the first things I did um, with positive reinforcement because I was like, wow, these horses are not enjoying the girth. So after we ruled out the issues and then I gave it a shot and I was like, wow, that's really cool. So even if you're not a diehard positive reinforcement person, it, it's a good thing to have in your toolbox just to be like, hmm, what I've always done isn't working how I'd like. So let me try something else. So, anyway, getting back to Mac. So, he bit me, and I was like, all right, so where do we go from here? I could say he's a biter, I could say he's naughty, or I could just never attempt to touch his face again. Uh, But the issue with all of that is I've just labeled him, and I have nowhere to go now. I've just accepted this behavioral issue and given him a bad name and just moved on. And not attempted to ask why or even try to fix it. So now what I do is go back to the drawing board and go, okay, how can I address this? So the issues that I mentioned were head shy, ear shy, um, biting at the halter and biting at my hand. So I'm going to sort of run through those and discuss how I fix them. So I think probably one of the first things I taught Mac sort of by accident, um, but also not, I guess. Um, I was listening to the In the Spirit of Horse podcast, and I was listening to Mosey talk about how she trained her horse, Annie, to target her eye to Mosey's hand. And she was doing this because she had to put some eye medication in Annie's eye, and Annie was really not happy about it. But the second Mosey was like, here, can you target my or your eye to my hand? Annie was happy to sit and accept the medication because she had more control over the situation. And I was like, okay, I have a head shy horse and that might work for this. And this is the wonderful thing about listening to anecdotes from positive reinforcement people because, you know, you hear a story and you're like, I may not be able to relate to that entirely, but it does give me an idea about this and this and this. And um, at least that's my experience with it anyway. It gets me really excited. Um, (laughs) So with Mac, I just, I was in protected contact. If you're not familiar with what that is, essentially it's a stall door or a fence or anything separating you and the horse. And it gives the horse the freedom to leave or to stay with you or to work with you. And it protects not only you from them. If anything gets dangerous, you can always step away, but it also gives them a sense of security because you can't get to them. So it works in both favors to maintain confidence and safety. At least when you're first starting out, it's really helpful and it can help with lots of things. But anyway, so I was working with him over a fence and I sort of just held my hand up and he would, you know, move around or whatever. Normally I would try to do it when he was like, had his head turned the other direction so that he would have to turn his head back towards my hand. So I would hold my hand up when his head was away. And then when he brought his head back to the center, he would bump my hand and then I would click and treat. 
And then I would do it again and again and again. And he was already familiar with targeting. So um, he caught on pretty quickly and he was very quickly targeting his cheek to my hand. So now I can hold my hand up and um, he'll, he does, it's so cute because he doesn't just like swing his face over. He like tilts his eye down so he can see it sticks his ear out like he's really concentrating on my hand and gently moves his face over and like the softest touch into my hand and then I can just scratch him and so not only does it allow me to touch his face but it gives him the control and I know that that's a very scary concept for a lot of people you know (laughs) we're always taught that the horse needs to be the subordinate and doesn't need to have any say or any control but I find particularly with horses like Mac, who have been in situations where they've had no control and are treated like slaves um, and just have had awful experiences where they just feel helpless, to give them some control makes a world of difference in the relationship. And um, so I did that on both sides and now I can hold my hand up and he'll like do his cute little head move into my hand. And then one of the next things I did was work on him allowing me to touch his pole. And um, if you're not quite sure where the pole is, it's the space essentially where their head meets with their neck in between their ears. It's that little bump where their forelock begins. And um, so he was, like I said, very head shy. And at first I was trying to run my hand up his neck and each time I got a little higher, I would click and treat, but it was it was clear that it was making him nervous. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have to approach this differently. So I then had him target a stationary target. So stationary target is one that I'm not holding. So it was tied to the fence and it was a water bottle, which is <laughs> super high end. I know I'm bougie, right? Um, but so I tied a water bottle to a fence and I would say touch and he would touch it and uh, then I would click and treat and then uh, while I was feeding him I would feed him in the head position like where he would be round so you know like his neck is like up and arcing and so I would feed him like that and then cue him to touch it and he would touch and I would feed him like that and I would start scratching pretty low on his neck and then I each time I fed him, I would gradually work up his neck. So not only am I operantly conditioning touching the bottle, but I was also classically conditioning my touch. So while I am feeding him, he is also having this association that I'm scratching him and he's getting food. So my other hand is scratching him, touching him, rubbing all over him, and he's getting food at the same time. So, but his mind was focusing on the water bottle. So I had some plans going on here and, um, it's very sneaky in my opinion. Um, and I'm not sure that this is the best way to train it, but it seemed to work for us. Maybe it's too sneaky. I don't know. But, um, I then had him touch the water bottle and then I gradually got closer and closer to in between his ears. And pretty soon I was, you know, feeding him low and rubbing my hand, sorry about the burp, in between his ears. And, um, there were a few times that my hand would accidentally bump an ear and I would lose him. (laughs) And he was like, no. Um, but now, um, I kind of took a break from working on that for some reason. I, I think I just was kind of satisfied with it and I wasn't going to really bother with his ears. And, um, he, 
the other day I just like walked up to him and was like rubbing all over his face and rubbing his ears and he didn't have a problem with it. So there's something to um, latent learning. Um, So like you teach them something and then the next day you come back and they've retained it and more. And then they're seemingly like, like who, who worked with this horse in between when I last did because he knows more now. Um, So I don't know. I think it was, it was fun. Um, but so the next thing that I worked on was the halter biting issue. Um, because this is obviously a problem. I'm not the one who leads him in and out of his stall. And, uh, the guy who does was having an issue with him biting it. And I noticed that when I went to put his halter on and I was like, oh my God, (laughs) this is rough. And so what I did was I started in his stall and I would hold up the halter and he would bite at it. And at first, and this is where I am pulling the amateur card because I, again, not a professional, don't take this advice word for word. Take it with a grain of salt. And there are a hundred ways to do this. And this is the way I did it. I'm not sure it's the best way. I don't advise doing it this way. This is just how I did it, so I'm recounting that. Okay? Disclaimer over. (laughs) Um, So what I did was I would hold a halter up, and he would bite at it, and I just was like a post. I was like, I'm going to wait for you to stick your nose in it so I can click and treat it. And at first, I was rewarding for smaller things like moving towards it, and um, but he was moving towards it and then biting it, and I was like, I don't want to reinforce that. So um, I would reinforce early, but he would sort of blow through the click and just bite anyway. And I was like, okay, this doesn't really seem to me like it's a, I don't want you to put the halter on. At this point, it seems more like, like a game, like you wanting to play with it. And, um, I'm not sure. And, you know, as Alex likes to say, people for opinions, horses for facts. And, um, so I, I will never know. But that it made me change my tactic because I was just holding it and he was just biting it and gnawing on it and he would just stand there (laughs) and I was like, oh my god, okay, what are we doing? And so I was like, okay, I'm going to attempt my first use of intentional negative punishment here. If you don't know what negative punishment is, that is the removal of a desirable stimulus in order to decrease behavior. Um, So I was removing the halter which he wanted to bite in order to decrease the biting behavior. So I would hold up the halter, and if he kept his mouth closed, I would leave it. But if he went to bite at it, I would just move it away from him. And um, it didn't seem to frustrate him. It didn't seem to cause him more anxiety. Um, You know, uh, I had some people um, in the video that I posted of this argue that I was potentially negatively reinforcing the biting. Um, because, you know, he's biting at it, and then when I move it away, um, if it were an aversive to him, that would be him getting negative reinforcement. So, um, reinforcing the biting behavior because it's getting the thing he doesn't like away from him. Um, but it didn't, it didn't work that way, which is why I'm calling it positive, I mean, (laughs) oh my god, so many words. This is why I'm calling it negative punishment, because it worked in the way that I had hoped it would. Instead of reinforcing biting, it um, punished biting. So eventually he would just keep his mouth shut and move towards the halter and then I would click and reinforce. And then um, once I got a few of those, I stopped. And then the next time I did it, um, we were out in his paddock. The first time was in a stall. And so we were out in his paddock and I would hold up the halter 
and he would put his nose in it and I would click and reinforce and the biting was just completely gone. And, um, he just put his nose in it and I would count, uh, down from four and I would go four, three, two, one, click treat. And, um, so then I just like buckled it and we were good to go. So, um, now I hold up the halter and he sticks his nose in and doesn't necessarily need a click and a treat. If I don't have my fanny pack on me, then he doesn't get one and I'll give him a scratch. But, um, but he knows now that the halter's not a bad thing. It's not going to lead to bad things. And in fact, it's a good thing because it gives you treats. And once they have that positive association, it's just sort of a conditioned reinforcer maybe. I don't know if I'm stretching there or reaching too far, but um, it's been conditioned to be a good thing. So um, yeah, there's there's the little halter dilemma. And, um, and it also helped his head too high problem because he would have to like, he had full control over the situation. He was the one putting his nose in the halter. But in order to do that, he had to put his head down so then I could buckle it. So it killed two birds with one stone. Um, and then the last big issue that we have to tackle here is the biting problem. So that day he bit me and I was like, all right, I have to go back to the drawing board because that really hurt and I don't want that to happen again. And I also don't want to run into an issue where... Um, or not run into an issue, but have him run into an issue in the future where if he bites at someone that they're going to punch him because that's, it's very common, unfortunately. And, you know, I mean, if I did it as a child, surely there are many more people doing it. And I know there are because I've seen it. And, um, so I was like, I need, not only need to rule this out for me, for my safety, but for his too, because I don't want him to be beaten up all the time. So, I consulted with Miss Adele Shaw, who is the willing equine. I think I mentioned her earlier in this podcast. I don't know. I've done so many takes. I can't really keep up. <laughs> Struggle of having a podcast. Um, anyway, I decided to um, talk to her and see what she thought. And she was like, one of the number one reasons for biting is ulcers. So treat him for ulcers and give it a whirl. So I did... I think 10 days of ulcer guard and then weaned off of that and we switched his food and um from something that was very high in sugar which i learned um i think the website is called depalo equine concepts and they have so much information on there um oops that's very loud um they have information on there about um nutrition and it's very easy to read it's not complicated i'll link to it so that you guys can check it out in the show notes um but i had no idea that horses bodies were not really made to process sugar and it can create so many problems like ulcers and colic and just lead to all of these awful issues that we deal with all the time and it's so funny because horses bodies are not designed to eat in mass quantities twice a day and it's and that's how we feed and that's how all of the feeding companies tell us to feed and it's just like what why is why are we like this um but i don't know so anyway now we switch to a feed that is much lower in sugar and um we feed that on top of hay and alfalfa 
and um, treating him with the ulcers has caused a massive change in his personality. Not only has the biting stopped, but he's less sensitive to touch, which is also a, um, a symptom of ulcers. Um, they're very sensitive to touch. And um, the DePaulo equine concepts, he also has a YouTube video on how to palpate your horse yourself for ulcers. Um, so you can check if your horse has ulcers very easily. And um, I know that ulcer guard is probably... Um, you know, obviously they might be a little biased, but on their little box, it says 60% of all horses have ulcers and 90% of racehorses have ulcers. Again, pr probably most likely a biased source, but that's a pretty big claim. And, um, when I check majority of the horses for ulcers, they got them. So check that out and check your own horse and see what's up and see if maybe that could be a root of a problem you've been having. Um, I'll link to that video in the show notes as well. Sorry, I'm tangenting so hard. Um, anyway, so we treated him for ulcers. We changed his feed and, um, he is so much less sensitive to touch. He is much less hot and cold and hot and cold being like super unpredictable. Like sometimes he would just bolt away for no reason or just act like he'd seen a ghost or an invisible monster and was like panicking. And I was like, what is going on? I was like, I can't keep this horse's attention to save my life. And now that I have treated him for ulcers and we've switched his feed to something that's not rocket fuel, he's a completely different horse. And beyond that, I also put in the time to do the training. So what I did to quote unquote correct the biting was something that probably every single one of you that doesn't do positive reinforcement is going to make you if you were dead, roll over in your grave. I can't think of another idiom right now. But um he what I did and I not not sure I recommend this um, because I made sure to take care of everything else. I made sure to change his feed and stop the ulcers so that I could have a good chance of this being successful because the last thing I wanted to do was um, attempt this and then have him bite me more. So what I did was I would hold up my hand and I would say touch, which is, well, actually, I should back up. I would hold up a target first and say touch, and he would touch it. Hold up a target, touch, touch it. Hold up a target, touch, touch it. And then I held up my hand and I said touch. And he reached out and he touched my hand. And so I clicked and gave him a treat. And then I would hold it up again. He would touch it, click, give him a treat. And then I increased the criteria. And I waited, like I would hold up my hand and say touch. And he would touch my hand, but I would wait until his mouth got still. And part of the reason he stilled his mouth because he was like, she hasn't clicked yet. And then he would stop chewing to listen for it, but then I would click and treat him. So then after a few repetitions of that, even if he was chewing the treat from the previous uh, reward, when I held up my hand and he went to do the behavior, he would stop chewing instantly. The second his nose touched my hand, he would stop chewing. So I taught him not only that when he comes into contact with my hand that his mouth should be still and that that is the most rewarding way to touch me, but also that my hand brings good things. So not only when I am feeding him is he getting good things, but also that when I hold my hand up, it's a good thing and it's not going to hurt him. I'm not going to hit him and that he doesn't have to defend himself and he doesn't have to resort to that to communicate that backing off is enough and so yeah that is how i fix the biting the haltering head shy ear shy um pole shy and all of these little behavioral issues that we deal with so often and the biting is the biggest one because biting you know gives us 
in a traditional sense, gives us a reason to resort to some methods that I don't quite agree with anymore. And um, I just, I don't think that there's ever a reason to, like, hit a horse. Um, I think, obviously, there are emergency situations, and if it's life or death, do what you gotta do. That is the motto. However, in training situations or in you know, recreational situations, there's absolutely no reason to just be hitting a horse. And, um, I encourage everyone to take my training experiences and, um, experiments to, uh, with a grain of salt, because I'm not a professional. Again, this is an amateur podcast. I'm just telling you guys my story. Um, so I hope you, I hope that helps you. I hope that inspired you with maybe some issues that you're having with your horse on how to approach them maybe a little bit differently than you've always been taught. And, um, and most importantly to ask, why is the horse doing this? Instead of just going, oh, he's bad. He's bratty. She's hot. She's marish. To, to instead go, why is she acting like that? Is there something I can do to change it? And look for answers. Reach out. Ask your vet. If your vet tells you, oh, he's fine, if you've got a cowboy vet like I've got, then you might have to do a little bit of your own research. Ask out or reach out to other professionals and ask questions and find out why your horse could be acting this way. And then work toward a more kind solution instead of just immediately resorting to punishment. And, um, I'm sort of like talking to my older self here because I'm like, ah, why? So I don't know. That is my 10 cents <laughs> on that or 32 minutes worth of cents. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I hope that it helped you consider things a little bit differently. That's sort of what I'm going for here. So yeah, I think that that is about all. I hope you guys enjoyed and I will catch you guys next Tuesday. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's Equine in Theory podcast. If you want to check us out on other social media platforms, please do. I am located under Jet Equithery. That's J-E-T-E-Q-U-I-T-H-E-O-R-Y, E-O-R-Y, um, on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you name it, I'm probably there. So just check it out and see what's up follow us. I have a website called jetequithery.com. I have a list of resources on where to get started, what treats to use, what books to read, and uh, websites, podcasts, everything you could need to get started and get inspired. It is on there. I also have a blog explaining the point of a clicker and why I haven't written in a while. And I also have a glossary for all of the terms. If you are completely lost on negative punishment and positive punishment, negative positive reinforcement, when I was talking about it earlier, then be sure to check out my glossary page because um, it has everything explained there with handy dandy little examples. Um, and I also have a page full of available horses if you are near Arkansas or have the capability to travel and are looking for a horse. We have many wonderfully priced horses that desperately need homes because I'm busy and I don't have time to give them all the love and attention they need and they need their person. Persons. Peoples? People. Anyway, be sure to check that out. Thank you guys so much for listening and have a wonderful day slash night slash afternoon slash evening, whatever time it is where you are. Okay, good night. (laughs)